You must know the times. Answers to 25 essential questions on end times prophecy. A powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods that devastates entire communities. Global pandemics that kills hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness that threatens our societies. Where is this world heading? And what does the Bible say about the end times? You Must Know the Times is an eye-opening book specifically designed to educate readers about the last days. You will learn what the Bible says about conflicts in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, and many more essential topics. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Praise the Lord, everyone out there in podcast land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods. Tonight, we're going to play for you tonight, November 18th, 2021. We're going to play for you uh, part five of the series that I taught at Victory Apostolic in Mattison, Illinois. That's the uh, southern south, it's the south suburbs of Chicago. And um, at uh, who the, where the pastor is, uh, Pastor Andrew Singleton. And uh, he graciously let us come and teach there, uh, teach my book, You Must Know the Times. This final episode, we, we tracked the activities and of the tribulation saints, basically. And we look at this group of saints. Notice how they are so admired in Revelation chapter 7. We track their, uh, the, their, the vicissitudes that they go through uh, uh, in Revelation 12, 10, uh, how they love not their lives unto death. Uh, glory to God. We track them through Revelation chapter 13, how they uh, were persecuted in, uh, uh, by the Antichrist. We track them through Revelation 14, uh, how the uh, Holy Spirit encouraged them and said to for basically for them to hold on, do not get the mark of the beast and all of that. And then we see the Son of Man coming down on a cloud, Revelation 14. And then we look in Revelation 15, chapter 1, there, those saints are in heaven. Now, of course, pre-trib says this is a different group of Christians. Uh, they're not part of the church, but they're the, the people that basically were left behind. But the reason why that is fallacious, ladies and gentlemen, is because one of the main tenets of pre-tribulationism that in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, the uh, uh, Paul talks about a restraining force that's holding back the revealing of the Antichrist. Pre-trib has always said that is the Holy Spirit, and some say it's the Holy Spirit, some say it's the Holy Spirit in the church. And so because of that, they say that it is the church that is the restrainer. And because it's the Holy Spirit in the church that's the restrainer, the restrainer needs to be removed before the Antichrist can be revealed. Well, since they teach that the Antichrist is going to be revealed at the beginning of signing that peace treaty in Daniel 9.27, that's when they say it's going to be revealed. Technically, that's incorrect because the beast only has 42 months to reign, not 84 months. Uh, but anyway, uh, the bottom line is they say the restraining force has to be moved out of the way. Well, that's what the Bible says. And they say that restraining force is the Holy Spirit in the church that has to be removed before the Antichrist can be revealed. So since they teach that and they couple that, uh, 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 that concept with Revelation 2 and 3 and they match it with... Um, uh, the Church of Philadelphia, God says, I'm going to keep you from that aisle trial that comes to try the whole world. And so the way they interpret the book of Revelation does not allow people to look at the other aspects of the book of Revelation that actually talks about what's going to happen to those saints, how God deals with them, how they end up, where they end up, and the amount of prestige and victory that these group actually has. So in this lesson, you're actually going to learn that the Revelation, the uh, tribulation saints, as they're so-called, are actually 
the greatest, most courageous group of church saints that the world has ever known. Why? Because they come out of the most difficult time in all human history that will never be repeated again, which is known as the uh, Great Tribulation. Now, um, you're going to enjoy this lesson and uh, in following uh, segments on my podcast, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to some of the beginnings and look at uh, why the pre-tribulation rapture theory is wrong. Now, basically what I say in this, and then we'll get right to it. Basically what I say is if the pre-trib rapture theory is right and we're gone before all the trouble starts, praise God, who's going to argue with that, right? But what people don't know about pre-trib, it is a doctrinal position. It is a view. It is a theory. It is not a proven fact. Ladies and gentlemen, people don't know that. They teach it as a fact, but it's not. It is one particular view that unfortunately most Christians in the United States have. Uh, glory to God. But if pre-trib is right and we're all gone before the uh uh, uh, the Antichrist is revealed, and before all the uh, events of Revelation, praise God, who's going to argue with that? But ladies and gentlemen, what in the world is going to happen if that theory is not correct? Then you're going to have tens of millions of Christians around the world who thought they were not going to be here, still here during the reign of the Antichrist. And it's going to set up a scenario, just like Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 10, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9 and 10, that people are going to be put to death. And when that happens, people are going to turn from the faith. Paul said the same thing in 2 Thessalonians. He said there was going to be a great falling away. Something's going to cause that falling away, ladies and gentlemen. Some event that's going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not going to want to miss this next segment. God bless you and enjoy. So much. Let's give your passport. I'm, I'm, Thank you. I'm All right, come. come on. We're ready for you. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Glory to God. Come on. Let's give the church, let's give the Lord another hand praise. We want to get right into our lesson on tonight and don't want to belabor the time. God bless all of you in Jesus' name. It's so good to see all of you again tonight. Glory to God for this conclusion of the matter. We're going to have a good time. Did y'all come ready to eat? Glory to God. Amen. The tribulation saints of revelation, revelation, that's what we're going to be looking at. From vicissitudes to victory. And our text begins tonight, Revelation 7:13 from the NIV. It reads as such. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? These are the ones coming out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I want to put a proposition to you tonight, as Pastor uh, Singleton so eloquently said on tonight, there are differing views. Another word we could use for view is Theory. Amen. Well, God, why are these theories? Because the rapture hasn't happened yet. The rapture is a fact. Now, don't get this mixed up. But it hasn't happened yet. There's a lot we do not know. As much as the Bible tells us, there's a lot we don't know. How many know that God doesn't didn't tell us everything? Glory to God. If the pre-trib rapture theory is correct. And the church is raptured before all the events of Revelation start. Praise God! <laughs> then who is going to argue with that? Then the other positions that teach that the church will partially or all the way go through the tribulation will be pleasantly surprised. And those of the pre-trib view will be validated. Amen. Glory to God. 
In that case, the book of Revelation is merely informational with minimal application to the body of Christ. The church is gone before all the trouble starts, before the temple is built, before the Antichrist is revealed, and before any of the events that occur in Revelation after chapters 3 to 19. That's if the theory is correct. But what happens if the pre-trib rapture theory is wrong? Then what's at stake? Millions of Christians who believe they wouldn't be here will still be on earth during the reign of Antichrist. Hmm. The implications of that are so critical that it's only prudent to explore the what-if scenario. Therefore, we are forced to explore the contingent outcome. At that point, the book of Revelation would no longer be simply informational, material for doctrinal debate. Then the question surrounding the identity of the tribulation saints becomes profoundly significant. Wouldn't it be prudent to know what the Bible declares just in case things do not pan out the way our properly, proper, uh, popular theories teach? Hmm. Listen, look at this one verse in Revelation. This is, this is great. Revelations 1, 3. This is what it says. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Now that introduction to Revelation doesn't give me the idea of just some casual information that you could take a leave. This is the only book in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, that opens up with a blessing just for reading it. So does that sound like something, you know, we can, God kind of like, he didn't, you know, it was, he didn't have something, nothing else to do. And so in the 66th book of the Bible, he just put in like some filler information that has no application. Hmm, Interesting. I would like to propose to you that God's word is never incorrect. However, scholars and theories can be if there is the slightest chance that popular end time theories could be flawed, our default should be to rely on what the scriptures say, not what traditional positions teach. We need to learn to trust your Bible. Glory to God. Now, of course, everybody that has a position say they trust the Bible, but and this is why you have such differing. Dr. Mark Hitchcock, he's one of the top theologians, evangelical theologians right now out of Dallas Theological Seminary. This is what he said in his lecture, when will the believing be leaving? Guess what he says? I quote, there is no silver bullet scripture that proves the pre-trib rapture. And he's one of the people who's one of the proponents of it. But he's a scholar, and he has to be honest about that. There are no silver bullet scriptures. They just should see, this proves it right here. No, there are none. But there are several that are used, in all fairness to his position. And this is what Dr. Paul Benware, understanding the end-time prophecy. Your pastor is very aware of, of this book, has it in his office. This is what he says. No rapture view is without some difficulties, and that is why detailed arguments continue to be set forth by proponents of differing views. So the people who develop and teach this stuff in the universities, they all know that all our positions are theoretical. Now, there's reasons why we believe what we believe, and we all make compelling arguments. But the bottom line is, like Dr. Hitchcock said, there's no silver bullet scripture that proves this. It's going to be pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. There's a lot we don't know. So why don't we just do this? Let's look at what the Bible says. How about that? Does that sound reasonable? At least to know what the Bible says. Amen. 
See, that's why I like y'all. Maybe I'll be, maybe Pastor Singleton will invite me back some, sometime <laughs> in the name of Jesus. The primary reason today is Christians do not want to identify with tribulation saints. Now listen to this. Follow this closely now. It's not because they're not saved, because the tribulation saints are saved. It's not because they don't go to heaven and have eternal life, because they do. It's not because they're not called blessed and holy, because they are. It's not because their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, because their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's not because they aren't in the first resurrection, the resurrection of the righteous, because they are in the first resurrection. But it's because the tribulation saints are here to be persecuted by the Antichrist. Dying for the faith is the deal breaker. Suffering is simply not in most of our calculus. You don't want to hear about no suffering. Come on now, what you talking about? Glory to God. We got a, we got, we got a cherry sweet Christianity and we just don't get go through nothing here in America. We just alright. Jesus like the, the Doobie Brothers song. Jesus is just alright with me. We just float on. Glory to God. Listen to what it says in the uh, Tyndale commentary. This is what Leon Moore said. He said, nothing evil can triumph over God's people In the early church, the day of a person's martyrdom was called the day of his victory. Barclay comments, the real victory is not to live in safety, to evade trouble cautiously and prudently to preserve life. The real victory is to face the worst that evil can do and if need be, be faithful unto death. That's Do you remember Martin Luther King's last sermon? What did he say? I'm not scared of dying. Once you get to that point, what did Jesus do in the garden three times? Father, is there any other way? We're talking about the Lord of glory. He had to deal with that. He had to get past his own will. But once he did it, it's game on. Let's go on to the cross. We can deal with it. Once you can get past the fear of death, can't nothing stop you. Death is what stops all of us in our tracks. And this is one thing we have to learn about our Christianity and what the Bible really teaches. Philippians 1 28 and 29, NIV, this is what I said. Without being frightened in any, way by, any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it is granted unto you on the behalf of Christ not to only believe in him, but to also suffer for him. See, we got the believing part down. It's that suffering part that don't nobody want to hear. That's the part we don't have down. And the first century Christians, ladies and gentlemen, knew what suffering meant. When Paul said a living sacrifice, that's exactly what he was talking about because they cut his head off and he said, but I'm ready to be offered up. I'm like a drink offering that has already been poured out. Glory to God. Peter said, when you crucify me, crucify me upside down so they don't mix it up. Glory to God. The verb translated, it has been granted, means to give freely, give graciously. The cognitive noun, the cognate noun, or the similar noun of this verb is grace. Suffering on the behalf of Christ, such as much as believing in Christ, is a gift of grace. Did you hear that? Suffering on the behalf of Christ is just as much, has just as much validity as suffering. The grace of God and the suffering of God. Key to understanding Paul's inclusion of suffering within salvation is threefold repetition of the phrases focusing on the relationship of the believer with Christ, on behalf of Christ, on him and for him. That's the pillar of New Testament commentary. 
We all know this scripture. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, the tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword. Get this next verse. As it is written for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's the mind of the first century Christian. That's not the mind of the 21st century Christian in America. We're not, we forget that verse in there. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. We are killed all the day long. We don't want to hear that. Glory to God. We want to hear, Lord, buy me a a Mercedes Benz. That's what we want to hear. Glory to God. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. So glory to God. Then Paul said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, listen to this, neither death or life, neither angels or principalities or powers, nor things present in Paul's immediate first century, nor things to come, that's the eschaton, that's the eschatology, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. So why are the church worried about an antichrist? Why are we worried about this? Why are we so fearful? It's not that the, the, the tribulation saints don't go to heaven. They do. We go, we're going to study them. We're going to follow them through revelation. We're going to see how blessed that group of people really is. We've been told all this time, that's them left behind. No. Glory to God. Not so. Let's look at some of the first Christian martyrs. First centuries, first and second Christian martyrs. Perpetuity and felicity. Guess what? They were two black women from North Africa, Tunisia. Glory to God. Listen to this. Perpetua and felicity were Christian martyrs of the third century. Third century meaning the 200s. Vivia Perpetuita was recently married and a well-educated noble woman. As a matter of fact, her writings come down to us. She was one of the first Christian authors where her work comes down to us through antiquity. And she was black. She was an African. Glory to God, they make it sound like black folks didn't have nothing to do with Christianity for a long time. That is not true. It started in North Africa before it picked up with the UFC. And right now in our universities, a lot of it, we pick up with reformed theology. That's centuries later. Glory to God. Listen, this is what happened. This is her story of what happened when she got arrested. Another day while we were at dinner, we suddenly, we were suddenly taken away to be heard. And we arrived at the town hall. Then came to me, my father immediately appeared with my boy. And he drew me from the step and said with a supplicating tone, have pity on your babies. What she's talking about is her father begging her not to, to renounce Christ. Glory to God. And so this is what happened. And Hilarionist, the procreator who had just received the power of life and death in the place of the proconsul said, spare the gray hairs of your father and spare the infancy of your boy. Offer a sacrifice of well-being to the emperors and I replied I will not do so so Hilarion so Hilarionist said are you a Christian and I replied I am a Christian that sister put her foot down with her father there begging her to just compromise and keep your child and yourself alive So the Fox's Books of Martyr picks this up. On the appointed day of their execution, they were led into the amphitheater. Used to be one of those in Chicago. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, Felicius and Perpetuita were stripped in order to be thrown to a mad bull, which first made his attack upon Perpetua and stunned her. 
Then he darted at Felicitius. She was pregnant, ladies and gentlemen, and it gored her dreadfully, but not killing them. Then the executioner did that office with a sword. Some of the first martyrs of the Christian faith were black North Africans. How many of you knew that? Glory to God. Not making fun of you. I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen, this this is good stuff. We need to know this. Glory to God. I don't want to spend much time on this article, but it talks about how Christian martyrdom, glory to God, is going on today. That last paragraph. Y'all can't see that mirror. Let me just read it to you. It says, in China, North Korea, we do not know how many Christians have died in labor camps. In North Korea, you can be arrested for and imprisoned for giving someone a Bible. I don't believe America's on the brink of rounding up Christians and executing them, which is good, as I don't know how many of those calling themselves a Christian would remain faithful under persecution. Glory to God. So now let's turn our focus on our text. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12. After this I looked, and there was before me a great multitude, That no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne of God, before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. Glory to God. And they cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. And all the angels were standing round about the throne and about the elders and the four and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces and the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So he saw a great multitude. And so it elicited, glory to God, some very, much curiosity. And this is what it says. For the first time we are introduced to the tribulation saints. They are seen in heaven drawing great admiration. Glory to God. This multitude of Christians was from every nation, every tribe. Glory to God. And the language and every tribe and language, and are being given special recognition because of what they just came out of, which was the Great Tribulation. The worst period in all human history. This is not some unfortunate group of left-behinds, but Christians who refuse to compromise. Even under the onslaught of the Antichrist, the worst, most diabolical, tyrannical world leader the world has ever known. Now they get the privilege to stand before God. How many know the greatest thing in heaven is not the golden streets? It's not the pearly gates. It's not the 12 foundations. It's not all of that. To be in God's presence is the highest honor either angel or human being can get. Let me tell you. When Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, glory to God, Gabriel came to him and said, listen, your wife Elizabeth, she's going to have a baby. Zacharias says, how can that be? You know what Gabriel said? Gabriel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Do you think there's a higher source of authority than that? Do you mean to tell me, are you making a case that the old age of you and your wife is able to stop the power of God? And you're going to sit here and question whether this can be? He said, listen. I will take your speech. You won't talk for the next nine months. Don't you dare question the authority that comes from someone who stands in God's presence. I stand in his presence. I'm right next to him. You can't get any higher than that. The gold streets are fine. Let me tell you something. There's something that God cannot do. 
God cannot create or make anything that's greater than he is. In Hebrews it says, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Glory to God. There is no higher source. So one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? John said, I answered and said, sir, you know. See, John is smart. When you don't know the answer to something, you know, you, you throw it back on the person. Cause, cause see, cause see, if he asked you the question, that means he already know the answer, right? So John was real sad, sir, you know. You don't want to be up in heaven and have wrong answers. But anyway, he says, and I answered, sir, you know. These are they that came out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes white and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. Listen, these tribulation saints, guess where their position was? To serve God in his temple day and night. You can't get better than that. This was a place of prestige and authority. Glory to God. Never again were they hunger. Never again were they thirst. The sun would not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne would be their shepherd. Did not Jesus say, I am the shepherd? He, I am the good shepherd. He'll be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Now these are some points to ponder. The tribulation saints are in white robes. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. The highest honor in heaven is to be in God's presence. This is what David says, Psalm 27, 4. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. This is why David was the apple of God's eye because he knew that being in God's presence was the greatest thing. He didn't say one thing I desire cherish, one thing I desire is more wise, one thing I desire is a castle with golden toilets. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and I will seek after that. I will dwell in this house and behold him. Moses got to see him from his backside. Changed him. Glory to God. So now let's look at some of the present, some of the promises that were given to the seven churches. Now we're going to match some of the promises given to the seven churches. We're going to compare them with the tribulation saints. Glory to God. So let's do that. This is what was said to the churches, people in Sardis. Yet I have a few, few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white. You keep hearing this theme. For they are worthy. The one who is victorious will be like them, dressed in white. And I will never blot that person's name out of the book of life. But will acknowledge him before my father and his angels. Angels are very, very important, ladies and gentlemen. They stand with God. They're not just functionaries. They're very, they're much more powerful than we'll ever conceive. And as a matter of fact, there is an angel that is sent to the sun in Revelation 16 when, when, when the wrath of God is poured out in the world. Do you know that God dispatches an angel to the sun and say, turn the sun up to scorch men with heat? Now, I want you to imagine this. A million earths can fit inside the sun. Glory to God. It is so bright that it burns people up 93 million miles away. There's an angel that can just go there and turn the heat up. These beings are far beyond what we're able to even comprehend. That's why he said, I will announce my name to my father and his angels, because they have high status. Glory to God. How many know that we are heirs of the sons of Jesus Christ, and we have a higher position than they do? Glory to God in Christ Jesus. Revelation chapter uh, uh, 3, verses 11 and 12. This is what the church of Philadelphia was told. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have that no one will take your crown. The one that is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. Wait a minute. That was the same thing he told them tribulation saints, that they would be in his presence and serve him in his temple. Same thing he told 
the church in Philadelphia. We all going to be in that same temple, never leaving. Glory to God. The comparison, the church at Sardis, Revelation 3 and 4, was promised that they would be dressed in white in heaven. The tribulation saints are in heaven, dressed in white robes. The church is washed in the blood of the Lamb. 1 Peter 1.19, John, all those scriptures there. The tribulation saints were washed in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation chapter uh, 7.14. The church of Philadelphia was promised that they would be pillars in his temple and never leave again. The tribulation saints that will serve God in his temple day and night and are perpetually in his presence. Sounds like very, very close language to me. So what we're going to do is we're going to say that persecution is a legacy of the church. Look at what was happening with the church of Smyrna. The church of Smyrna is where Bishop Polycarp, remember your pastor preached about him a few weeks ago. Glory to God, Polycarp, he was a bishop of the church of Smyrna. Glory to God. This is, listen what the angel says to them. To the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. He says, I know your afflictions. I know your poverty, yet you are rich. I know how the, how about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogues of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you into prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution ten days. Listen to what he says. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I'll give you the victor's crown. In other words, I'm not, if you, when the devil puts you in jail, I'm not sinning, Michael. You're going to be there, and some of you are going to die there. But be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. We can't be looking for no, just, you know, this whole idea, oh, dying, we got to die for the faith and all that, and we got a Savior that died. They nailed him to a tree. Jesus said, if they did it to the green tree, they'll do it to the dry one. So we have to get out of this mindset. We have to grow up and have a Christianity that'll take us through something. This is what the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. When God said, listen, if, if, if the Lord sees a sparrow when he falls, do you not think he's mindful of when a saint sheds tears? And Psalms, he said, I'll put your tears in a bottle. I remember you. I remember them, how uh, those who think on my name, Malachi, glory to God. We like to quote Malachi chapter 3 for tithes. We keep reading, it says there's a book of memories. He said, I'm going to write your name down. I'm going to write it down in my book of memories. Every time you even think about me, I'm going to write it down. He said, I ain't forgot nothing. I know about your labor of love. I know what you've been going through. No, I'm not coming to get all of you out of jail. Some of you are going to die, but that's all right. I'm the God of the living, not the dead. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Revelation 6, 9 through 11, he says that he opened the fifth seal. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. He opened the fifth seal. He saw the souls under the altar that had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they maintained. And he called out with a loud voice saying, How long, sovereign God, Lord, holy and true, do you not judge the inhabitants of the world and avenge our blood? Listen to what God tells them. He says, Each one of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little while longer until the full number of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters were killed just as they had been. In other words, God said, listen, we are going to go back and get the world. And in Revelation 19, that's exactly what he does. He said the sky opened up and he's going to come on a white horse. The saints are going to be with him. But before that can happen, he's got to wait on the full number of the other ones that have to be killed. He said there's a number. God already knows the exact number. He said we have to wait on the last one. Then we can get ready to go. That's what he told them. He said, you got to wait a little season. Glory to God. So now we have to transition from the fledgling church of the first century to the time of the Antichrist. Now, that's going to be like 2,000 years later. What are we in the 21st century? 
21 centuries later, no rapture yet. The church still going, right? So now we have to bring it home to why these tribulation saints were so great. Why were they in heaven? Why were they being honored the way they were being honored? We're about to see it, ladies and gentlemen. Revelation 13, 7 through 10. This is what it says. And it was given power, the it there is the Antichrist, to wage war against God's holy people. That's how Revelation characterizes the so-called tribulation saints. These are God's holy people. These are not some mammy-pammy Christians who didn't make the rapture cut because they was too carnal. That's the story that's put on them. God sees them as his holy people. He says God's holy people and conquer them. And authority was given to, oh, authority was given over every tribe, talking about the Antichrist, and people, language, and nation, and all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the last book of life. That's the qualifier right there. Glory to God. There's a difference. Those that have been written in the Lamb's book of life, those who have not. The ones whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, they are going to go for the okey-doke and they are going to trade their souls and take the mark of the beast. Why do you think this information is in the Bible? You think God is playing games? That he just put it in there so scholars can debate, oh, we're here, we're not here, that type of thing. Listen, this is real. So the whole proposition is, a pre-trib is right, right? We're gone. We miss all of it anyway. Who's arguing with that? But what if it's wrong? Glory to God. That's why we have to look at the other side. Revelation 17, Revelation 13, 7. Notice what it was said. Now, if you look in the first passage, it said it was given power. We're going to look at that in the Christian Standard Bible. It says it was permitted to wage war against the saints. Revelation chapter uh, 13, 7, the English Standard Version said it was allowed to make war with the saints. This is what John MacArthur says, one of the things I do agree with him on. It says, Antichrist will not be all talk. He will be capable of decisive, deadly action. Once again, the text denotes that Antichrist can only do what he has given permission by Almighty God to do, thus stressing that God never relinquishes absolute control over these events. God is not out of control. He knows everyone who's going to die. He knows everyone that's going to be martyred. He's already got the whole plan. It's his plan. That's why it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation apocalusis in the Greek. It means the unveiling, the unfolding, the revealing. It's Christ's whole plan. It's his plan. God is in control of everything, even what Antichrist does and don't do. It's not like Satan's in control, running amongst so they had to write revelation to tell you how crazy the devil is. We already know the devil is crazy. We already know in Revelation 20, one angel comes and gets his butt and throws him off in the bed and says, shut up, you, you down for a thousand years. Don't say nothing else. <laughs> this is God's program. Glory to God. Listen to this. And all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. From the Lamb, found slain from the foundation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. Listen to what this says. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Because... The, 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 the tribulation of those days is, and Jesus said it in Matthew 24, 10. He said, then they're going to take you and persecute you and put you to death. And he says, many are going to defect from the faith. Paul said the same thing. He said that day cannot come unless there comes an apostasy or falling away first. Peter said, judgment must first come to the house of the Lord. He said, if the righteous scarcely make it in, he said, where will the sinner stand? Glory to God. Let's keep going. 
Then he says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brother is cast down who accused them before the throne of God day and night. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives until the death. These are the types of Christians who stand up to Antichrist, the worst person in the world, during the worst time of the world. And these people refuse to bow to Antichrist and take his mark. This is not the legacy of some mamby-pamble spaghetti-backed Christians who didn't make the rapture cut. These are stand-up Christians who faced the Antichrist down and said, for God I live or God I die. And they walked in that faith. They loved not their lives to death. This is what Jesus said. He said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of them who can kill the body. And after that can do nothing more. He says, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, that's the one you need to be afraid of. He ain't got no business worried about no antichrist. If a thousand antichrists walks in this room right now, the only thing he could do is to take my life. That's the only thing he could do. He don't have power over my soul. I'm not fearing him. What I'm worried about him for, what I'm worried about any of them. Paul said, I cannot be separated. Neither things present nor things to come, nor principalities or powers or rulers or whatever it is. He said, nothing shall be able to separate you. We quote it, but do we believe it? Glory to God. Oh, it's easy to quote. Glory to God. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose their life for me will find it. What good will it do if someone gains the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in in his Father's glory with his angels. And he will give reward to every person according to what they have done. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this passage doesn't, it sounds like, oh, he's talking about the people back then. No, this is an eschatological passage. Why? Because that last verse, verse 27 in red, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. That's eschatology. This is an eschatology talk. This is a conversation who said, whoever wants to, whoever, you got to be willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus. He said, whoever wants to save their life is going to lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. So what is he talking about? This is eschatology, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to see. Look at Revelation 22 and 12. This is the exact same language Jesus uses when he closes the book of Revelation. He says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. That's exactly what he says here in Matthew. The exact wording. We dealt with the angelic warning last week about those that get the mark of the beast, and I got to wrap it up. The third angel following said, if anyone worships the beast, and his image and receives his mark on their forehead or their hand. They too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out full strength in, the, in his cup of wrath. Glory to God. So it says anybody that gets that mark, what's going to happen? They'll be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of holy angels and the lamb. Their smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no end, no rest day or night for those who worship the beast, his image or gets that mark. Now, Remember, at this time, what God is going to do is send an angel to the planet and the angel is going to yell this out to everybody on the earth. So there will be no excuse because it's a unique sin under unique conditions. God sends an angel with a specific command about that particular sin and gives the penalty if you do it. Now that comes from an angel. 
That's not some preacher preaching. God, he don't even leave that to humans. Why? Because the angel won't need a, he would, an angel will not be restricted by time or space, nor will he need a translator. He'll speak, everybody will understand him. Glory to God. That's how much God, the grace of God. Now that's the grace of God. Glory to God. In, at work, in Revelation. Heaven's appeal for saints to endure. Now, right after that angel gives this appeal, this is what I need you to follow this real close. This is what it says in the next verse. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Now, why is he putting that in there if it's not for Christians? He says this is for patient endurance. He said because the pressure to get the mark of the beast is going to be so tremendous to economically cut off going to jail, getting your head cut off. That, that's serious business, right? And so what God does, he sends an angel to the earth. He said, look, this is what's going to happen. But then he comes back with some encouragement for people who are enduring. Listen to what he says. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, for they will rest from their labors and their deeds do follow them. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit now kicks in. He yells from heaven. Yes, says the spirit, blessed are the dead. People say, oh, I got to die. That's terrible. Heaven says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Glory to God. They will rest from their labors. Look, I'm a preacher. I have done committal services. We use this for benedictions at funerals. This is not a funeral benediction scripture. This is a scripture saying that people who die in the Lord are blessed. That's the heaven's perspective. Then look what happens. Then he says, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud. I'm sorry, y'all can't read this. I, I got I to gotta, read it for you. And seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a crown of gold on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple, and Kyle called out with a loud voice and said to him that was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap. Because the time to reap has come, and the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on a cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Oh, my God. Here you have the Son of Man coming down on a cloud. He waits on the cloud for a command to come from heaven. Glory to God. What is this harvest? Remember what Jesus said in Luke 10, 20, 10 and 2. He said, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers of few ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out to his harvest. How many know that Jesus has a harvest? He's going to come down on a cloud. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? This is the remarkable thing. Remember what Jesus said? He says, Mark uh, uh, 13, 32, he says, but of that day... An hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Jesus says, not even I know that day. So in Revelation, we see him. We see that's true. He didn't know the day or the time. He comes and sits on the cloud and waits for the command to come from heaven to tell him, get your harvest. And when he gets his harvest, he takes his sickle and reaps over the earth. And gets his harvest. Now here's the interesting thing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Then another group of angels come out of the temple. But these get their harvest. And look what it says. Read the red part. It says, take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because the grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle over the earth and gathered the grapes and threw them into the wine press of the wrath of God. So now this harvest goes into the wrath of God. But the Lord's harvest, you don't hear anything about that harvest. You just hear about him getting his harvest. Well, what happens? Where did the tribulation saints go? What happened to them? Let's look at this. Revelation 15, in my closing. 
I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the last plagues. Last because with them, God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire standing beside the sea. And those who had been victorious over the mark of the beast and his image and over the number of his name. And they had, they had, and they held harps given to them by God. And they sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are thy deeds, Lord God Almighty. Ladies and gentlemen, the first thing we saw was the Son of Man on a cloud. He gets his harvest. Don't hear anything else. Then the next group of angels, they come, they get a harvest. But they take theirs and throw it into the wrath of God. So the Lord's harvest wasn't appointed to the wrath of God. So the next time we see the the people who are here that were fighting with the beast, escaping from the beast, guess where they are now? Revelation 15. They're in heaven. Wait a minute. How did they get to heaven? They was just on earth. The Holy Ghost was saying, y'all, hold on. Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. He said, hold on. He says, your works are not going to be forgotten. Then the next thing we see, the Son of Man comes down on a cloud. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians, the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with the shout and the voice of an archangel. The archangel is going to yell to him, get your harvest. And then he said, we're going to be caught up. And meet the Lord together where? In the clouds. And so now we have a scene where the tribulation saints are not seen on earth after that. Again, now they're in heaven. But the interesting thing about that is, ladies and gentlemen, they're in heaven before the angels that have the bowls of the wrath of God are even dispatched to pour them out on the world. Those angels are dispatched to pour the wrath of God out on the world in Revelation 16. So in this last part, in this last part, now I'm going to stop with this. One of the four living creatures gave to me seven, gave to the seven angels, seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God. And the temple was filled with the smoke from their glory and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the angels were completed. So those angels haven't even left heaven yet. Yet the tribulation saints are seen in heaven playing harps and singing in the choir with God. And those angels haven't even been sent yet to judge the world. The question is, is how do folks get to heaven? How do they get there? Because the Son of Man on the cloud got his harvest. So this is what I want to leave you with, and we're done for real. Glory to God. The conclusion. conclusion. The tribulation our saints are seen in heaven before the seven angels are dispatched to part the bowls of wrath on the world. In that sense, this group was not appointed to wrath. That will be poured out on the Antichrist when he comes to power. If the pre-trib theory is correct, then this esteemed group of Christians has no relationship to the church. However, if the pre-trib theory is wrong, then this is the last and greatest generation of church saints that the world has ever known. And they are honored as such because they love not their lives unto the death, remain faithful to Christ under the worst circumstances in human history. Therefore, they have earned the right to be before the throne of God and will serve him in his temple as a royal priesthood forever. Now, that's the legacy of the tribulation saints. Now, if you want to, people want to say, well, then there was the left behinds and all of that. Listen, you can say that all you want. If that theory is, if it's right, fine, we're gone. If it's not, but at least tonight, you know, if things don't go the way our theories go, then stick with the word of God. Pastor Singleton.
Praise God. Wasn't that a powerful segment? Boy, we had a really good time there at Victory Apostolic. Again, we want to thank uh, Pastor Andrew Singleton and the Victory Apostolic uh, Congregation. Uh, but I want to tell you and uh, appeal to you, basically, ladies and gentlemen, I know that popular tradition on rapture theories have it to where the church is not going to be here doing the book of Revelation. That is not the position I hold. I hold that God gave us the book of Revelation so that the generation of church saints, which we don't know which generation that'll be, but the generation of church saints that is going to be here would have the information because it's going to be a time like no other time that's ever been in the history of humanity. It's going to be the worst time. It's going to be bloodletting much worse than what the Jews suffered during the Holocaust. Um, there's going to be great, great tribulation. Now, the part where God pours his wrath out on the world, starting at Revelation chapter 15, we're not going to be here for that. Glory to God. But ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to be prepared. Once again, if pre-trib is right and we're gone, then fine. I, I see, I don't have a problem with being wrong there. But the overwhelming evidence when you really look at what the scriptures actually teach and get away from all the pre-trib talking points and actually look at what they can prove with the Bible, not with dogma, not with the talking points that they usually say and go by the scriptures, then we're, we need to really know what's going on. If you would like my wife and I to come out to your church, those of you that are pastors and or can uh, host us, we would love to come and fellowship with you. If you would want copies of the book or, or, or you want, to make comments or you want to uh, talk to us or even if you want to give to our ministry. All you have to do is send an email to PhD Ministries 400 at att.net. That's PhD as in power, Holy Ghost, deliverance, excuse me, let me say that again because <laughs> that's the full name of my ministry. PhD, as in like a PhD in school. Uh, PhD Ministries, the word ministries, 400 at att.net. Or you could call us at 877-267-7477. We would love to fellowship with you. We'll do Zoom classes. I want everybody to get this message. Also, I encourage you to get my book, Revelation, Revolution, The Antichrist, Angels, and the Abyss. I give a history of how pre-trib came to the United States. I show meticulously how their argument about the restrainer was completely bogus. I have in that book the letters that I sent to the top pre-trib scholars at the time, Dr. John Walvoord and Dwight Pentecost, and how I challenged them and they did not have good answers. Glory to God. You'll be surprised with those, what they actually said. I have it in my book. The paper that I actually sent to Dr. Pentecost, I actually have his handwritten comments and the things he said to me. And you would be surprised. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to join the Revelation Revolution. God gave us that book for a reason. Not so scholars could tell us we don't have to read it because it doesn't apply to us. That is not why Revelation is in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. And this ridiculous argument that the word church isn't found at the Revelation chapter 3 is just so silly because the word church isn't found in seven New Testament epistles either. They never tell you that part. So all you have to do is just go to the beginning of our podcast, go all the way to the first one 
and work your way up through it's probably 50 or 60 segments in there many of them are lengthy you could come back you could there's a plethora of information here now it's okay if we disagree it's okay it's uh, that's okay you, you you don't have to disagree with everything but at least let's look at the other side of this again if pre trib is right and we're gone before all this happens fine but if it's wrong and i can prove a major tenet of it is wrong i, I can I, we prove that i don't just say that in in theory i actually can prove it uh but and that's why we're doing what we're doing but i'm appealing to you if you want to support our ministry again send us an email i'll i'll tell you what to send where to send it glory to god as a matter of fact you can make any donations you might want to make you make it to power the holy ghost deliverance ministries power of the holy ghost deliverance ministries and you can send those donations in any amount glory to god we are 501c3 uh a religious organization uh, and, all, and all of that. So, and you can send it to post office box 1239. That's Mattison, Illinois. That's M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N, Illinois. And the zip code is 60443. Again, the address is Power of the Holy Ghost Deliverance Ministries or PhD Ministries. And the post office box is 1239. That's Mattison, M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N, Illinois, and the zip is 60443. Again, our uh, toll-free number is 877-267-7477. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd love to hear from you and all of that. God bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. We'll give you some more content coming up here real soon in upcoming episodes of the revelation revolution you must know the times answers to 25 essential questions on end time prophecy a powerful new book by dennis james woods the world is spiraling out of control at an alarming pace wildfires earthquakes hurricanes and floods devastate entire communities global pandemics kill hundreds of thousands of people Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness threaten our societies. Political instability and the threat of war increase hostilities between nations. The birth pangs of distress are getting more intense each day. The question is, what do all these things mean, and where is this world headed? Unfortunately, at a time when people need answers the most, many do not know about the end times. You Must Know the Times, Answers to 25 Essential Questions on End Time Prophecy, is an eye-opening book that is specifically designed to educate readers on a wide range of subjects concerning the last days. This book will equip you to discern the times, in which we now live. You will learn what the Bible says about the signs of the times, the conflict in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, the Battle of Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, the Return of the Lord, and many more essential topics. Discover the powerful message the Book of Revelation has for Christians, and the perils that await a rebellious world. The Lord warns, Look, I am coming like a thief. The one who is alert and remains clothed, is blessed. Therefore, it is vitally important that you must know the times. Be aware, be informed, and most of all, be prepared for things to come. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times, by Dennis James Woods, at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold.